Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interested, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malkin. Today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as contemporary culture geek, news media, politics, feminism, social justice, communications, design, fonts, screenwriting, cats, obviously. Views my own. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition of the Humans of Twitter list, Steph Felbrick. Hello, Steph. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's wonderful to have you on board. In social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Oh, um, I usually say, hi, I'm Steph. How are you going? Good. And I don't tend to really frame myself in any mm. other way when I introduce myself. I guess it depends on the setting. If it's a work thing, then obviously... You know, sure. frame it that way. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know. I just sort of... I actually don't know. This <laughs> is really weird. Um, I just allow the opportunities for my natural geekdom to seep through naturally as the conversation <laughs> progresses, I think. <laughs> Gradual reveal. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot going on in your Twitter bio. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. If we had to rank them, is that in order or is it uh, like a reverse order? What, like, what's the deal? Uh, okay, so I have a lot of different interests. Mm. Almost all of them are probably things that people would consider pretty geeky yes. or geeky in their own separate ways or whatever. Mm. I don't think I would be able to rank them. I think that there's a fairly even priority given to each of them. Yes. Um, yeah, sorry, this is... Yeah. I'm not sure if that's really answered your question. Or no, not. no, that's, that's fair. Yeah. In, in geeky, what, what do you mean by geeky? Because one person's geek is another person's nerd, is another person's obsessive. That's true. Um, okay, in the context of my interests, probably borderline obsessive. <laughs> that would be the way to go. Um, look, certain things interest me and I get really into them and yes. I, like, um, I like remaining informed about them mm. and... My opinions probably get a bit out of hand at times. I am very passionate. I hold passionate opinions yes. about all of those things. So, yeah. Aren't they the best opinions to have, though? Um, if they're well-informed, yeah. Um, a pet peeve of mine, though, is people who, who hold a position on, say, a political ideology or something. Yes. Um, but in arguing for that position, if they purely frame it as a position of passion that mm -hmm. they hold, that's not enough, in my view. It's yep. not enough. You need to be able to reason it. You need to be able to justify it, all yep. of that. Um, so while I admire people who are passionate about the views they hold, I don't think it's enough to yep. just sort of toss that word in, oh, I'm passionate about something, and just assume that that's that's going to be enough to hold influence or hold sway with someone. So, yeah. Yeah. It's great to be passionate about supporting Paris, but just changing your picture on Facebook isn't enough. Uh, yeah. Um, let me think of another example, actually. Um, actually, okay, I was, I was thinking of political stuff, but okay. no, the, the most common example that I've encountered that comes to mind is actually when people are applying for jobs yeah. on their job application. They'll say, I am passionate about whatever the thing is yes. that the organisation does or yeah. whatever. It's like, well, that's great. <laughs> you know, I'm glad that you're passionate yeah, about yeah. it. Um, 
how can you, you know, uh, tell, tell me more about what you can bring to this beyond yes. passion. Because if it's blind passion, if it's not well-informed passion, then it's actually probably more dangerous than anything else. You could go off half-cocked. You could, yes. you know, you could go and um, start some really ill-advised social media campaign or something. Yes. Um, all that boils down to being a product of your blind passion for something, mm-hmm. but it's not backed up with evidence or with information. Yeah. What challenges you? Conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I've got a lot of opinions about things. Um, and yet, and yet, I'm really, really, really bad at having disagreements with people. Like, yeah. just when I say disagreements, it's in disagreements of opinion, you know. And as much as I like discussing different opinions, yes. when there's a head-to-head disagreement of opinion, I get so uncomfortable and, like, I don't know, I guess I try, my default position is trying to, is seeking to understand the other person's position, uh-huh. but that's not always possible if they're kind of diametrically opposed mm. in the opinion they hold, and it will eventually just reach a flat-out standoff, and that's a really uncomfortable position for me to be in, so I'm just a bit weird that way. And I'm learning to get comfortable with being uncomfortable with it. So, yes. Yeah. Has that cost you friendships? Um, no, it's made things challenging in a couple of relationships, uh, like romantic relationships in the past, um, but it is something that... Get out, Scott Morrison. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> that's, an, that's an assumption right there. Anyway. Um, it is something that I, I would like to think that I am getting better at. Um, yep. I'm certainly better at it now than I was a few years ago. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I'm working on it. Is, is it an assertiveness that you've acknowledged you needed to develop or it's... Yeah. Oh, it's just... Um, I think it's probably from my background. I'm really close to my family yeah. and, and they're great and I love them. Um, we are, though, very much wasps, like white Anglo-Saxon yeah. Protestant and um, that's not really a subculture that deals well with conflict. Mm. It's, um, it's not something that is sort of openly... Uh, dealt with ever yeah. so um, yeah there's a lot of I don't know oh look this is all stuff that I'm talking out of school about now oh, never mind <laughs> um, look I just think that um, as a subculture as a whole um, it's probably an area where you don't learn or I didn't learn at a young age how to comfortably disagree with someone yes. so yeah and I love my family. Just to reinforce that, my family are awesome and I love them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, that actually opens up a really good uh, question, Steph. What is your experience of family? Oh, um, wow. Okay, my experience of family. Okay, I'm the oldest of three kids. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, gosh, I don't know what to tell you about it. We, we are a close-knit group. Um, yeah. My, I'm, yeah, I'm the oldest. My brother is a year younger than me. He, he now lives in Texas wow. in the States. He moved over there to marry a lovely girl about five years ago. Howdy, howdy. Yeah, so he's a cowboy now, um, so to speak. Uh, and then there's a 10-year gap, and then there's my little sister. Goodness. Yeah, so her upbringing was really different from my the one that my brother and I had. Yes. It's, we're not... We didn't have your typical siblings um, co-raised yes. experience. So, but you know, but she's like a fully fledged adult now and is getting married soon and stuff. And so, wow. 
Yeah, so she's all grown up. That's well and awesome. truly. She's, she's like clocking up the life milestones that I'm yet to get to. So. Step. Oh, God. Yeah. Sad but true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, she's wonderful. And um, yeah, and we were a happy family unit. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else to tell you about that. No, no, yeah. it's, it's how you see and perceive your family. That's the, mm. the guts of the question. Quite nuclear family. Yeah. yeah um, parents had, still have quite a traditional marriage. Yeah. Um, like mum was a full-time stay-at-home mum. Yeah. Um, Hang on, are you saying that your parents are still together? I am. Breaking news, people. Yes, people I know. People actually stayed married. I know, and I'm Gen X and everything. <laughs> <laughs> We're the generation that that didn't happen for. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, but they're still, um, they've been married, gosh, how long now? They had their 40th anniversary last year and they're still blissfully happy and I can't imagine one of them without the other. So, yeah, yeah they're lovely. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah. How unfair was it for you having a 10-year younger sibling that got to do things either earlier than you did or that you didn't get to do? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so this is the subject of many (laughs) a family discussion (laughs) as recently as, like, a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) Um, Luckily for her, she she was and is such a little angel. Like, everyone just adores her, has always adored her, including me and my brother. That's what she wants you to think. (laughs) Including me and my brother. So, like, when we were children, it was always... Like, we had quite a strict upbringing, you know? And um, so our birthdays would roll around and we would be, like, having to negotiate for every single person who was allowed to come over for a a very small sleepover for our birthday party. Mm. So, like, if we're turning eight this year, we're allowed to have four people Mm. over or whatever. And yeah. my sister, on the other hand, when she turned 16, she had like 100 people. Gosh. <laughs> and look, I think mum and dad just loosened up as, um, yeah. as time went on and they, they saw that me and my brother turned out okay and loosened the reins a little bit, really. So. Yeah. And I don't think, and I say this as a co-eldest right. sib child. Right, so you understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the younger kids don't appreciate what we did for them. I know, right? In cutting through some of the yes. rules and, and helping train our parents. Yep. That, no, look, we're okay. Yep. That's right. Give us a chance here. Yeah. Yeah. Learn from experience, you know? Yeah. Parents learn from experience and, yeah. And mine are pretty awesome. Like, even the stuff that I jokingly whinge about now, about, you know, eighth birthday slumber parties, they were pretty cool parents. Yeah. So, yeah. All like, good. If that's the worst thing, Steph. Um, actually, that's this exactly leads me right. to my next question that mm. your mum asked me to ask you. Um, no. <laughs> oh, wait. It's, I don't. I'm kidding. Totally kidding. Gosh. That wouldn't actually have entirely surprised me if it was true, so that's okay. Moving on. What's your favourite takeaway food choice? Hmm. I will be deemed a leper if I answer that honestly. No, you won't. Yeah, I will. For good cause. Okay, so I live on Ligon Street, or just off Ligon Street in Carlton in Melbourne, yes, which is beautiful like beautiful place. Yeah, and it's spoiled for choice in terms of traditional Italian restaurants. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. And yet, um, my guilty pleasure, actual favourite takeaway is Domino's pizza, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> Which <laughs> but, type? You know, um, vegetarian, so vegetarian with bacon. All right, we, there's a few things we have to unpack here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understood. Now, clearly, you're not a vegetarian. Correct. So. Why get a vegetarian pizza? Because it has all the good veggies on it, like all the yummy ones. But it does. What are all the good yummy ones? Like 
semi-dried tomato and... Um, Oh, gosh, what else? Pineapple, if you're that way inclined. I realise yeah. that's contentious, but, yeah. you know. Um, what else? People gosh, that don't like even... pineapple on their pizza are wrong. Yeah, that's yeah right. correct. And, like, baby spinach and, and mm. nice basil and stuff. and yeah. Just but then good... to only add bacon to that. Yeah. That's the... I think bacon's probably the only meat on pizza that I actually enjoy. So, you know. What? Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Well, look, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just dropping truth bombs here. It's not actually... <laughs> I'm feeling battered. I can't, I can't process all of this. Have, have you... Do you say this out of experience? You've had bad meat lover experiences before or you haven't had the right meats on your veggie pizza or what? Oh, no, no, no. It's just um, I've got a really tame palate is all. Mm. Like, so I don't particularly like cured meats or mm. anything. At all, so so. You know, well, bacon is a cured. I meat. do, but it's it's one that I've been familiar with since a very young age. Whereas um, other cured meats, they've never really been my thing. So sure. like salami or whatever. Nah. Yeah. 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 Any kind of spicy sausage. Nah. <laughs> Not really my thing. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Make the joke. You want to make the joke. No, I'm not going to go there. Okay, for everyone else good. to fill in the blanks here, right. people. When you, given your proximity to so many amazing restaurants, mm. what's your favourite restaurant in town? Oh. Oh, this is going to make an awfully long, awkward pause. I'm sorry. Um. You don't Gosh. have to pick one. You can Ooh, just throw out okay. a Okay, there's one on Ligon Street called Copperwood, which is quite nice. Yeah. Got a, yeah, that, that's pretty good. That's sort of traditional Italian. Um, my favourite one just for casual, regular stuff is Trotters, and they're like my everyday mm-hmm. coffee place as yeah. well. So they're kind of like You're family local. to me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the Markov on Drummond Street, yeah. which is like a, a bit of a hipster wine bar slash fancy pub. And they do, yeah, they do very nice gourmet burgers and, yep. you know, that kind of truck food mm. thing. Sorry, I'm not a foodie. I'm not up with the lingo. I don't know. But, um, but that kind of um, truck food, but not from a truck, yeah. from a pub. Yes. Yeah, they do good stuff like that. What do you do really well? What do I do mm. really well? Um, waste a lot of time on Twitter. <laughs> Like, seriously. Sure, but that's... <laughs> um, it's never um, a waste, Steph. Positive human interaction. Gosh, that is a really terrifying question, actually. Um, I wrap gifts really well. Yes? Yes. Your superpower, gift wrapping? Yeah. I'm also... I, another superpower is I'm really good at opening jars that no one else can open. Nice. I've got, like, super strong wrists. Um, no special techniques, it's just all in the no, wrist and forearm? Yep. Yep. Oddly strong wrists. Like, yeah, people don't believe me until they see what I can do. Um, what else? Um, look, I would like to think that I'm decent at my job. Yeah. Um, which I can't go into too much detail sure. about, but it, it's sort of in the in the sphere of marketing and comms. Yep. Um, yeah, writing for a purpose, mm-hmm. like writing to inspire someone to do something. Yes. I would like to think that I'm pretty good at that. Um, do this, or you're fired. That's no, always no, good no, inspiration no. <laughs> for external audiences. So, like, I understand. you know, and yeah, 
and it often involves them parting with money. So, you know, mm. it's it's not a an easy ask, but yeah. Um, yeah. I think I'm I'm pretty decent at doing that. So, yeah. Is the writing side of it something that has you've had to develop or is that something that's always come naturally? Writing has always come pretty easily to me. I fought it though for a really mm. long time. I um yeah, like all the way through my school years, yes. it just was something that I could just sort of do. Yeah. Um, without any because we are or made anything. to do it a lot through yeah. senior years, assignments yeah. and creative writing pieces. Yeah, yeah, creative writing in particular was something that yeah, it was just pretty effortless to me. Mm. Um, but yeah, I I was kind of steered and steered myself as well. Um, in the direction of the sciences instead yeah. because maths was also something that came pretty easily to me. Yeah. Um, and so I was like one of only a couple of girls in the specialist maths nice. subject and all of that. And and that seemed, at that point in time, the science path seemed yeah. a much more sensible one to go down. And so started along that. Um, eventually, oh, look, there were a couple of hiccups along the way, but eventually um, did get a degree in medical science. Mm-hmm. And have arrived back at, you know, many, many years later, arrived back at the conclusion that, oh, yeah, this writing caper, I reckon that maybe I could make a go of that professionally. Mm-hmm. And so did some retraining and, um, and have picked that up in the marketing comms capacity, so, which is not something that I would have thought. Like, no one ever tells you, well, they didn't tell me anyway, hey, if you're good at writing, yes. you could consider careers in this space. Yes. Um, I kind of, back in the day, thought, oh, well, if you want to follow writing, then it's to be an author or it's to be a journalist, mm. um, nothing beyond that, So, which was very wrong. And there are so many careers and they are always expanding in number as well, especially with the digital world now yes. and social media and all of that. So That's also a reflection, isn't it, Steph, of the kind of guidance that you would have received in those senior years. Oh, definitely. And the, the it's high a vastly school... different experience yeah. to now to when... We left high school. Correct. And the high school I went to, which I loved, and I you know, I have nothing but fond memories from yeah. that place, um, it did, however, have a, a very distinct and deliberate focus on the science and technology subjects. Ah, and so, yeah. so, of course, the guidance yeah, that yeah, I got yeah. was sort of skewed in that Go direction. Go and be a science person. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, purely in terms of, like, the range of subjects that they had on offer. Yeah. Um, like, the fact that they did, quote-unquote, focus on science, I am quite sure, in hindsight, was actually, like, a rationalisation thing, was like, oh, we can't afford to offer all the subjects, so what are we going to focus on instead and do well? Um, But of course that will limit um, the areas in which any one person can feel as though they can see a path for themselves. Are you doing now Mm -hmm. what Year 11 Steph thought she'd be doing? Nah. Oh, Year 11 Steph had no idea what she'd be doing. No, seriously, I changed my mind every week. I had no idea. I had no idea. Like, everything from author to psychologist to to um, vet, I think I wanted to be at one point. Um, lots and lots of different things. Um, yeah, a heap of different things. And... Where, in fact, uh, okay, so so as an adult, someone once put to me this question that yeah. I still find the most terrifying question to consider, which mm. is, if you were guaranteed 
that there would be no obstacles to stop you, yes. what would you choose to do with your life? And I really wow. do find that such a terrifying question. And I will, on the record here, openly say, if that was the case for me, I think I would have wanted to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I only articulated to myself when I was like in my mid-twenties, by which stage, you know, the ship had kind of already sailed. So, um, yeah, and I, I do think that the seeds of that ambition yes. had been present for a really long time, but I was not confident enough mm, yeah. to admit it even to myself because yeah. it was like, you know, it's such an elite thing or it certainly was back then anyway. There are different pathways to get into that now. Yeah. Um, but at the time, if you weren't in, like, the top single percentile with your entrance score, yeah. tertiary entrance score, forget it. That was the only pathway available. So why would you even consider that if you were just sort mm. of, you know, a, a good high performer but not one of the top 1%? Yeah. Yeah. So fear of failure... It's a real thing, and it's crippling. So, yeah. We're getting a bit... God, this is so introspective. I'm so sorry. No, don't, <laughs> don't hate me, please, Twitter. I don't apologise. This, <laughs> okay. this is lovely. How, how have you overcome the, the times when you've been afraid to fail? Oh, fear of failure. Like, I deal with it every day. Every day. Mm. Um, uh, tried to get comfortable with the idea that um, good enough is good enough mm-hmm. a lot of the time, yes. you know, that um, that if investing an extra eight hours in something will only improve it by like 10%, then is it really worth doing that, yeah, you yeah. know? Um, and having to, having to drop that kind of absolute perfectionism from particularly creative endeavours, yep. um, it can be tough, but when you're in a you know, if it's a professional question, like if it's in my work, yeah. for instance, um, you've kind of got to be a bit brutal about mm. stuff like that. And and that's actually been really helpful for me to, to have that learning experience and realise that actually, you know, it's not going to change the outcome, whether mm. that whether that left alignment is out of whack by one pixel or whatever. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's going to be okay. So... Yeah, but there are lots of areas where fear of failure crops up, lots and lots. So, yeah. Would you like to share one? I feel like I'm bearing my psyche to you here. It's it's important to to, to feel that you're comfortable in sharing what you are, and I, I don't want you to think that I don't want to. I'm not trying to pry. No, 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 not at all. Um, from my perspective, gosh, I, I I can only best describe it as. I don't think I've ever had a fear of failure necessarily. If anything, it's been... Um, not, I don't know if it's a lack of motivation or it might be that I've couched it in that. Because, um, you know, that, that's good enough. That, that'll be fine. Yeah. And I have proven in my history at times when I actually push through that and go, no, actually, no, you can do better than this. And, and it really does turn out to yeah. be a yep. lot better. Or I, I, I... Those sorts of things. But yeah. This isn't a podcast about me, Steph. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, the other thing is, and I'm, I'm actually, I'm genuinely unsure whether you're aware of this or not, but it's something that I'm really open about on mm. social media, is that um, I have had experience of really severe depression, mm. like major depression. Um, I was unable to work 
at all for two years. Oh, wow. um, and the job that I'm in now, that I've been in for two years, that was my return to the workforce okay. after taking two years out. And so this sounds like such a cliche. Oh, and, and I really genuinely am very open about it. Like mm. everyone at my work knows about it. I yeah. talk about it all the time. Um, I really do feel as though working your way out of something like that through... And for me, it involved medication yeah. and... and um, seeing a psychologist fairly intensely for mm-hmm. quite a while. Um, but you learn so much more about yourself than you would than you would ever know about yourself without that experience. Mm. And, I mean, it was a really crappy thing to go through. It was horrid. Um, but there are some blessings to be found in that once you're out on the other side in terms of recognising your own trigger points yeah. and where you could perhaps you know, do a little bit of work on yourself. And so the fear of failure stuff, you know, I would not be as aware of any of that without having gone through that experience. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you. So I, I didn't know. Thank okay. you for, for sharing that. That's Not at all. Um, not at all. So many questions. That oh. I, well, in that I, I've, I've had friends who yeah. have uh, suffered through depression and people close to me that have gone through it in, in various uh, levels in various yeah. ways, and, and same thing. Managed it through either th- a combination of counselling or uh, and medication and, and yep. exercise and all sorts of yeah. you know you name it. Kind all of good things. things. Yep. Yeah, I'm not depressed, so I don't need to exercise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's please don't write in. Uh, it was a joke, a bad one. Uh, in for you, mm. in in that taking that first step, acknowledging that I'm I'm in. A bad place, mm. and I need to get some help. Oh, how, how did that happen for you? Okay, so um, before I entered that sort of that very dark two-year period, um, I had been diagnosed like years and years earlier with anxiety, mm. and so I'd been on really low-level medication yes. for ages. Um, I was at such a bad point by the time I finally realised I needed help mm. um, that I'd had. What was it? I think I went to a GP and asked for a referral because I knew something was wrong and it was because I was having an incredible amount of difficulty getting out of bed in the morning. And after that had happened a few days in a row, I was like, oh, this feels a bit wrong. I'm going to go to the GP. I'll get a referral to a psychologist. And I sat on that referral letter for six months. I was so scared to do it. And, um, And then by the time I finally got around to it, I was so far gone. It was terrible. Like I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't been able to get out of bed for like a month. <laughs> you know, it was crazy. Mm. Um, and it was just such a relief to have met uh, met this new psychologist for the first time. Yes. I cried the entire session out of relief, sheer relief that I had taken the step and was there. And yes. it was such a positive experience. And just to get that fear and be able to put it behind me of mm-hmm. what if it's a scary experience, you know, yeah. and, it, and it wasn't. Um, it was nothing but helpful and positive. And, and, yeah, it had some challenging and difficult moments along the way. Yeah. Um, but it was all in the name of recovery. So, yeah, all for the greater good. And, look, so if anyone out there is wondering about it, yes, it is a really scary thing to pick mm-hmm. up the phone and make that appointment and take the first step but please do it and you know it is it is so helpful you will not know yourself afterwards so in a good way yeah yeah wow mm. that's a very self-aware move on your part to make you know that, that I know I need to I need to 
go beyond my GP. I need to get some help beyond that. Oh, well, and to go and have yeah. that conversation. Yeah. Oh, Even though you did sit on the referral letter, I understand. Yeah. But you started that, you know? Well, well, because I'd been on meds mm. already. And I was like, well, that's clearly not working for me anymore. Yeah. So, so it was kind of... And I mean, because I've worked in health my entire yes. adult career as well, like in the health industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am fairly familiar with the workings of different health disciplines and sure. systems and the, the pathways of referral and yeah. all of that. So, um, yeah, like the what I needed to do was not at all foreign to me. Mm. I knew I needed to do it. It was just a scary thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how are you... How are you going now? How are you managing that and, and oh, um, working with that? Look, I feel I feel really good yes. at the moment. Um, yeah, I think going back to work was such a huge step for me, and mm. I'm I will be eternally grateful to my employer who took me on with me having been entirely honest from the very first job interview about yeah. why I had taken two years out of the workforce. Yeah. Um, they've been so supportive. My, I report into the CEO and she's amazing and Excellent. she checks in with me all the time about yeah. how I'm doing. Um, and she's genuinely interested in supporting me. It's yes. not targeting me. It's it's what can we do to help. So yeah. um, so that's been amazing. I'm, I'm doing pretty well, I think. Um, yeah, there. Look, there are always some little tweaks that need to happen. I'm working my way through those. So yeah, yeah things are good. That's awesome. A lot stronger than I used to be. I think I feel stronger now than I used to be. That's really awesome. Thank you. Where do you find your peace? Oh, it's too much of an internet cliche to say my cat, isn't it? <laughs> No. Probably. Um, I love my pussycat. She's lovely. Um, and as well as that, um, it's, it'll sound genuinely odd, I think, but um, I find a lot of peace in watching really well-written television. Mm. Um, like this this whole golden age era that's happening at the yes. moment. Um, look, I think it's delightful that television is finally getting recognised as a televisual art form. Yes. Uh, but I've kind of been there, like, a lot longer than that That sort of cultural recognition was granted to it. So, yeah, keep up, people. Um, yeah, <laughs> entirely. <laughs> like a golden age hipster or something. I don't know. <laughs> Get with the program, people. Um, so... <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. Um, so, yeah, I've been a TV writing geek. Oh, not not one who engages in the practice of writing, but just in appreciating good writing, it yeah. um, for a very long time, since, like, my teenage years. And, um, and I really do find that a very rewarding experience to really thrust yourself into yeah. appreciating a brilliantly written piece of television art, really. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I was just talking to a friend about this the other day, about what in my mind makes up um, sort of the holy trinity of of the optimal TV writing. And mm-hmm. what, it, what it is, is, or the trifecta, is it needs to be objectively good, yes. as in well-written by yeah. critical standards, by man-on-the-street standards. Yeah. 
Um, it also needs to be genuinely enjoyable to watch yes. because those two things are... You know, they yeah, are. You can they have do good not always intersect. Is, yeah. yeah, good writing that's actually really difficult to watch, and I just don't want to watch it. Thank you. Yeah. Like it's too much. The execution or, can be really yeah, poor. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that also, like, and this is a, a personal thing for me. For me, the third factor in this trifecta is it's a TV series that is socially important mm-hmm. or has the potential to be, so that it uses its ability to tell stories to start conversations in society about really important issues that maybe aren't getting the kind of coverage that they should. Um, The example that I was talking about in this conversation recently with Jessica Jones, that is the trifecta. Mm. Uh, Like, my mind has been blown by that show. It's amazing. Um, It really is great. Yeah. It's not necessarily an easy watch and there are some really uncomfortable themes in it. Um, Yes. But... There certainly are genuinely enjoyable moments as well. Mm. And it is very, yeah, the themes that it examines I consider to be very socially important ones. Yes. So, and it's, it's giving language to some stuff around feminism and yep. um, power dynamics within romantic relationships that haven't really been covered in the mainstream yes, that agree. much. Yes, um, yeah, the, the idea of gaslighting, for instance, which did start to get talked about um, widely for the first time a couple of years ago. Um, but to see that examined through a pop cultural medium, mm. I am so excited by that. That's like my ultimate, you know? So, yeah. yeah. The, the, yeah. I, I agree. There's lots about... And it's on Netflix, people, if you haven't seen it. Jessica oh, Jones. yeah, sorry. Netflix. Oh, no, no, it's, it's good. On. People yeah. catch up. <laughs> the internet, it's there. Find okay, it. good, good. Um, but, yeah, that we get such strong writing about a lot of... You're right, a lot of topics that aren't covered in modern-day anything, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. Um, PTSD, mm. um, uh, same-sex relationships in very public... Yeah. Uh, powerful positions. Yeah. Um, the some of the notion around depression, some of the stuff around um, even the control stuff mm-hmm. that happens with the uh, the antagonist and the way that he interacts with yeah. the universe. Yeah. That it's a suggestive control. Yeah. But that extends very, very seriously, deeply, and quickly into stuff around DV and, and all of those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. Because um, it's pretty it's pretty full on. It is, yeah. And and that the cast isn't eight guys and a chick. Yeah. You know, it's... Oh, yeah, and that's after my own heart. Like, you know, it's um, it's such... It passes the... I don't know even know how to pronounce it. Is it Bechdel or Bechdel? I, I'd say Bechdel, but... Yeah, okay, Bechdel test with flying colours. Yeah. Um, but not in a way that you would even stop and and notice like it's it's just to me anyway mm. as a woman watching it it didn't feel like a deliberate statement that yes. they were making in that balance of gender in the mm. cast of characters yeah um, it's still a really compelling watch I would hope that men would it would find it to be the same I would hope so maybe they do maybe they don't well from memory and, and I'll, I'll happily be corrected internet but the in the Jessica Jones comic book graphic novel series, mm. Carrie Ann Moss's character isn't a woman. Really? It's a dude. Wow. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's very good. And, and yeah. the, the, the writers have gone, no, no, we'll, 
we'll we make like that her. adjustment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To, to spin that in and wow, yeah, there's a lot of good. It's a lot of good in that. Yeah, that's that's. I'm deeply impressed by that. Welcome to the Jessica Jones podcast. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, 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 we could wax. I have a lot of feelings about Jessica Jones. <laughs> <laughs> How does Jessica Jones feel about this? Oh, you'd have to ask her. I wouldn't want to presume. I don't know. I also, from my perspective, am a massive David Tennant fan, and I think yeah. that he really delivers in spades in what is a very nuanced bad guy. Mm. Um, mm. We got to see uh, another Netflix series, Daredevil, earlier this year, where Vincent D'Onofrio, for mine, redefined television bad guys wow. uh, as Kingpin, because it was just so big and menacing, and he did something that a lot of actors don't do these days, and that he put on a lot of weight to ah. play that Kingpin role, because he's already a tall dude, yeah. but he bulked up because Kingpin is... In the comics, notoriously, he's a big, fat yeah. dude. Yeah. Um, he didn't go hardcore, but he's he's big, and it adds to his ominous presence and all of those sorts of things. Uh, to have that is incredible, mm. um, and almost overshadows Daredevil a little bit from a performance point of view for mine. We'll see more of that next year. But for then to have Jessica Jones, where reasonably speaking, uh, Kilgrave. It's just a normal dude. Yeah. That has this incredible power of suggestion. Yeah. That, wow. And, yeah. Oh, look, I could I could go off for hours talking about this. <laughs> but the how... Um, I think it poses a lot of really interesting questions, particularly for, for women. Not yeah. all women, not all men, probably. Hashtag <laughs> yes or someone. Yeah. Um, around, well, where, where in... in romantic relationships, where is the line drawn between free agency um, and wanting to please your partner because Mm -hmm. you think it's what they want you to do? Mm. Like, yeah, there's actually quite a grey area there and I know that, like, from personal experience, you know, after a relationship ends, I will think back to things that I said or did in that relationship and just think, why did I do that? That's not me. Like, that, I cannot believe that I did that. And yet, I did, and it wasn't even because they'd asked me to or whatever. And I think that that's a really interesting, yeah. underexplored area yeah. to, to start getting into. So, And from what I've discussed with some, um, some of my squad, so to speak, some mm-hmm. of my girlfriends, um, that seems to be a really common thing among women is yeah. that they kind of extend themselves within a relationship beyond their own comfort zone in terms of what's in line with their true beliefs and values and stuff Um, and then after the fact are really surprised at themselves having done that so it's yeah and it's not obviously it's real life it's not mind control but there's something weird going on there there is something weird that seems to happen in that setting so yeah it's it's interesting and terrifying to look at it in Jessica Jones do you, do you have any thoughts as to why maybe real-life human women do do those sorts of things, compromise? I, I do not know. I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm constantly questioning myself about certain things that I have jerks. gone along with. Speaking as a dude, yeah. we are horrible. Oh, not all men, hashtag. Um, yes. Oh, no, look, there are a lot of really genuinely good men mm. out there. Um, I really don't know. I don't know. And, and I'm not sure to what extent 
it's put upon women and to what extent mm. we've kind of opted into it. I, I really don't know. And I'm probably yeah. going to get all kinds of angry letters now as well. <laughs> saying that I'm, like, victim-blaming and stuff. No, I'm not. I swear I'm not. Like, I'm sure that there are structural power issues mm. that contribute to this and, like, gender role issues that contribute to it and societal expectations of what is, quote-unquote, normal yep. for women to do while in a romantic relationship yes. with a dude. Um, yeah. Or whoever they choose their partner to be in that context. Oh, I apologise. Yes, oh, no, no, no. It's, it's, um, that's your experience. It's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. And I don't say that to correct you. It's just acknowledging yeah. that... These days, it's not as cut and dried no, as Adam not. and Eve, right? No, thank goodness as well. Like you know, yeah, yeah, each to their own. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really not sure what it is, but it seems to be a thing. It seems to be a thing among girls that I've discussed it with. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. What's the hardest truth you've had to deliver, Steph? Um, oh, I once had to deliver, uh, it was when I was working as a health professional yes. and I had to um, deliver the news to someone that a pregnancy had ceased, oh, yeah. um, which was pretty awful. Yep. Um, in terms of personal stuff? Um, probably having to break up with someone, to be mm. honest, which is not something I've done a lot of over time. No, it's not. It's, it's something that it's probably tied up with my fear of conflict. <laughs> that I just kind of go along with stuff for much longer than is advisable. Um, but, um, yeah, no, seriously. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's never an easy thing to do. So, um, yeah, that was... Yeah, there's one particular one I was thinking of that it probably came as quite a shock when it happened, so that wasn't easy to do. If, if you don't mind me asking, mm. um, have you had to break off an engagement? No, I've never been engaged. Um, it was... Uh, no, the, the one thing that I... Mm. You know, the breakup that I was referencing to, it was a serious relationship, um, but no, we weren't. We weren't engaged. It was. It had been heading in that direction. Yeah. Hadn't quite got there yet. And and yeah, realization came to me that mm, this is probably not like it. Well, it's not going to end well yeah. if, if we continue on this path. Yes. Um, so, you know, best to bring it to an end sooner rather than later. So, ending. Any any kind of relationship can be tough. Yeah. Friendships, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But certainly ones that are. You know, we've been together for whatever, whether it's a week or a year, yeah. but we're you know share having that shared experience. Um, that can quite often be um, a, a big grief situation. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The end of any relationship, romantic or friendship or whatever. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's totally a grief process that comes out of that. Even if you are the person initiating yes. it, like that is not something you need to convince me of. Yeah. It's um. Yeah, it's it's really hard for for both parties, I think, um, including the one who called it off. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's not very, it's not a very interesting response to give no, you that no, question, no. though. So well, it, it's we're in. I think we're in an age, and and I'd love your your thoughts on this. We're in an age where a lot of the consequences around our decisions quite often are. 
we're told to just shake it off. Yeah. You know? Don't worry about it. Yeah. Or, you know, it's you'll be fine, or yeah. it'll be, you know. Um, and my perception, as someone who's not and hasn't dated for a hundred years, yeah. um, is that people who are in relationships sometimes, and I'm not suggesting this is you by any stretch, but people feel they can just be, oh, I'm not, it's not, whatever, something, see ya. And that can be, as someone who has been on the end of that, where it it was, they were just like, I didn't think it was anything much. Yeah. And I'm investing everything into this. Wow. You know, it can can be really brutal. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. In fact, um... This is changing the discussion a little bit, but I would even say, and I mean, look, yes, romantic breakups are awful and, like, gosh, having your heart broken, Mm. you know, anyone who's going through that has nothing but my entire sympathy, you know, and and empathy and and I wish you well on your recovery process and I hope that it ends for you soon and I'll be thinking of you in the meantime, all of that. That said, I reckon the toughest breakup that I ever went through, for lack of a different term from breakup, was actually with a friend. Yeah. Um, and it was when, uh, it was someone who I'd been very good friends with, like best friends yes. for 12 years. And um, she, for whatever reason, decided to end our friendship. Um, she did it just by disappearing and by, you know, just ceasing to return contact. Yeah. And, um, and it left such an enormous hole in my life. And yeah. at first the uncertainty around, well, yeah. what happened? What did I do? All of that. Um, but, I mean, even now, you know, I mean, it's, it's five years later and I, and I have, I really have reached a point of acceptance around this, like, years ago now, um, a good few years ago, but there are still moments where I'm like, oh, I bet she would get a real kick out of that, you know, mm. and I, I still miss her in my life. Yeah. Um, less frequently these days. But, uh, but the reason I raise this is that I feel as though in our society we're not really given a framework um, to discuss the notion of of platonic friendships mm. concluding like you know relate, a romantic relationship breakup yeah. there's so much dialogue around that there's so much understanding around what that means and the impact that it can have and all of that um, but there's very little discussion or acknowledgement around how devastating the loss of a of a close friendship can be yes um so, yeah, that was really hard. Really, really hard. I wish her well if she happens to be listening mm. to this or whatever. I really do hope she's doing well. I understand that she is. Um, but, yeah, that was that was pretty hard. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Steph. What, what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Oh. There are a couple of... Hmm. There are a couple of things I'm considering at the moment that I probably can't talk about. I'm sorry. Um, but I'd also like to do a bit of travelling as yes. well because um, that's something that, that a lot of my lifelong friends did in sort of their early 20s, mm. like a particular kind of travelling, that it was just never a priority for me at that stage. I didn't feel as though it was something of urgency. And the mm. next thing you know, I've sort of turned around and I'm in my very, very late 30s now. And I'm like, oh, I didn't get around to that. I should probably make that a priority at some stage. So I need to rectify that within the next 12 months. I have decided to do that. So, awesome. Yeah. Anywhere particularly? Um, 
yeah, look, different bits of Europe. So, yeah, I'm sure that my Twitter feed... You're not going to do, like, the Santa Music Tour or anything, are you? Oh, gosh, no. No, no, no. No, definitely not. No. All free range. We can still be friends. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Steph. Thank you for sharing everything that you have today. It's it's very precious. Uh, And you're highly valued. I really appreciate our time together. Thank you. Oh, um, no, that's my pleasure. And I will put on the record, I'm still kind of, you know, mystified as to why people would have been listening to this. So to hear from me. But anyway, say hi to me on Twitter, please, if you want to, and all of that. And thank you for listening and thank you for having me. Absolutely my pleasure. Um, Obviously, you're on Twitter. Yes. And for those that manage to, to break through and, and get to see the joy and, oh, and yeah, the my goods account, that is Steph, yeah, we'll my get there. Locked. What other social media accounts do you have that you want to admit to? Um, oh, look, I've got an Instagram. It's barely worth following, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, I only ever use it in order to put stuff on Twitter eventually. Um, I've got Facebook, but I use it pretty strictly for mm. a, a rather well-curated um, group of people. Mm. Um other than that, yeah, Twitter's where I live. Mm. Yeah, Twitter is my home. Come and say hi. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Steph underscore Philbrick is indeed human.